The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. You're listening to The Birth Circle. This is Sarah, and I'm with Liz and Nelson. She's the mother of four amazing babies. All right, so tell me about your births. Oh my gosh. Well, that could take a long time, so... Well, we only have Let's three do days. the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, my first birth was... Um, I considered myself as educated as I could be, but it was only within the information that I was given. And I had a fantastic experience. It's actually really, really great. But I was completely trusting of my doctor, of the nurses. Um, everyone was in the room. My father-in-law, my mother-in-law, my parents, my niece, my husband. So we just had like a <laughs> cheerleading squad. <laughs> and are you an I'm... extrovert? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit of both, I think. But looking back, it was because I, and I had a great experience. It was fantastic. But, um, and then I had subsequent births that were more intimate. And my circle was a lot smaller and chosen with different paradigms and parameters. Mm -hmm. um, and I consider those births more, I, I mean, I hesitate to use the word power because anytime you become a mom, you are a powerful, yes, for sure. powerful beast. But it felt like I was able to access pieces of me that I kind of missed out on the first experience. So I've had fantastic births, but they just got a little more intense and a little more, I had to show up with more emotional reserve. Like physically intense or just emotionally intense? Both. Yeah. Mm. Because I was also aging, right? Yes. And like so the mold. <laughs> and the more babies you have on your body, I've the heard, little bit harder it is. But I've heard that like the more babies, the uterus is like, Shh, just spit them out, you know? I think, yeah. I think that probably depends on the person. Yeah. But that wasn't the case for me. It was definitely harder. <laughs> I know that last labor, I was like, oh, oh, I remember this now. Right. <laughs> I don't think I should do this again. <laughs> You're like, it seems like a bad idea. Yeah. You know how they say, oh, you just forget what it's like. And then you, you have well, that you moment do. where you're like, oh, no, I, I will now. never forget this. <laughs> I will I never forget what this is it like. I'm fourth. not doing this so again. So my husband and I joke that I have a two-year memory cycle. So whether we're building a house or having a baby or buying a car, like I always forget pain within like two years. And so... We just have that stupid joke. I don't think it's stupid, but he thinks it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so everything to anything within two years, you're like, after two years, I'm good. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> exactly. So why did you choose to have such a, a party? Like, what what did each person bring to you that that made it so helpful for you, powerful? So the first birth felt very celebratory. It was the first grandbaby on my husband's side, and it mm. honestly just felt like a big party. It did, like. Um, I was medicated, and so there was no work on my end. Oh yeah, I was just so lying you could there. you could entertain your guests, totally enjoying myself. <laughs> Did you cater because you should? <laughs> I almost felt like I could have. <laughs> I was like, you know, learning how to multitask because that was coming down my <laughs> coming down the pipeline. <laughs> so it was just it was a great experience. Um, it was an easy experience. Like I really didn't have to do anything. I just showed up Neat. and stuff was done. I had, a, you know, there's a couple moments of intensity mm -hmm. before the upper drill kicked in, but nothing that I would consider like, oh my gosh, that pushed me past my limits. I didn't know mm -hmm. that was coming. Like that rocked my world. Just like, oh yeah. I mean, that was intense, but no big deal. 
So first birth, just celebratory. It was just, you know, it was like a giant welcoming party for this baby. So Wow. And then the next one, um, we had decided to switch things up a little bit. And I wanted to have, like, my marriage was changing. We were a family now. We were just, you know, we grow as people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're supposed to grow. And so, and part of that growth process means sometimes things come up that are unpleasant Mm -hmm. and you have to learn how to lean into that. Um, And we were kind of going through those lessons at that time, like unpleasant things were coming up, but nothing terrible, just things like, oh, this is life. You know, life has ups and downs and we don't have the skill set for maybe learning how to deal with what is happening right now. So. No, I prefer to shove it when the, when those things are, <laughs> That is I mean, also an option. I know. I don't know why you Netflixing face these Netflixing yourself things. through life is <laughs> just it's available. I don't shove it. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, it's easier to do it that way and just, just kind of like forget what it you, is. Yeah. yeah. And so I Try feel like, forget. you know, we all hit walls and uh, like barriers mm-hmm. when we're going through life and we have a choice of what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. in that situation. So this is what I've admired about you is that you do, you go up full on. I'm, I'm the kind of person, if I'm going to dive off the diving board, I, I, I have to think about it and I have to, you know, look at everybody's, you know, make sure I'm going to, you're like, whatever, here I go. <laughs> okay. That's kind of true. That's real. <laughs> it's real. True story. True story. <laughs> Wait, we did that, didn't we? <laughs> Never mind. Don't tell I'm like, people. Le- like learn from my mistakes, when everyone. I tell I'm my kids, going for this. <laughs> when I tell my kids, if your friends would jump off a bridge, would you too? Um, the answer is yeah, yes. actually, yes, I did follow Liz off a bridge and it hurt. So yeah. let's not do that. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> that was in Vienna, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, life's good. Yeah. I, I have an irresistible um, urge to talk. Oh, but what I love, <laughs> but you bring so much passion and you can, um, you teach people so much about how to find their, their path, how to find their own peace. And so that's, I'm so excited. To oh, thank you. Share you with the world. Okay. So keep going. Yeah. So second, second birth, I was just learning more, you know, I was learning more kind of a holistic path and it was exciting for me. Um, it was exciting that I had an option and I felt like there, the first birth was lovely. I loved it, but I felt like, I felt like I missed something because my life didn't change. And I remember holding my baby when she's a newborn and entering motherhood and being totally overwhelmed, but also full of love and joy, like all the, all the feelings. And I just remember thinking in those, that first month or two, I should feel different. Like this should have changed me. Mm -hmm. And so, and I didn't feel different. I just felt like I was the same person with the baby. (laughs) Wow. So, Wow. You felt like it was like a rite of passing that you somehow missed. I did. The turnoff. I did. I felt like there was a rite of passage. You didn't have postpartum depression. I didn't then. It came later, I think from lack of sleep. Oh, and just being overwhelmed. And I definitely had anxiety at the beginning, Mm -hmm. like heaps of anxiety because I just, I didn't, my, my mom was a little bit checked out in my own life. And so I knew that I didn't want to repeat patterns in Mm -hmm. my in my parenting, but I wasn't sure how to replace that. Mm. And I didn't understand how long childhood took. So that baby came and I was just overwhelmed with like, I have to make sure that she understands. Oh, that's so funny. You know, I just, I, so I And now you're like, how many years till you're 18? I know, right? (laughs) I'm I'm like, yeah, let's get them on, move on kids. So, um, yeah, missing a rite of passage. That's really well said because I Mm -hmm. felt like there was something untapped in me that I wanted to figure out how to come out. Hmm. So, and maybe that's makes me strange and weird. Um, well, I'm not going to comment on no. that. <laughs> I'm strange and weird. 
Um, no, everybody's story. Every, yeah, their every, own for yeah, sure. everybody has their story. Mm-hmm. That's their own. I remember I actually. No, I can. I can. I know what you're talking about because I remember having my first baby. Um, and I remember him, my mom had just left, left me with a newborn. Like, who's, whose idea was it to Who leave me with a newborn? <laughs> and I remember he was on my chest. And I was sitting on the couch and I was like, now what? Like this is this, this weight of meat on my chest. And I'm like, what do I that do with this you grew with thing? your own body. I know. You're and like, I was like, what do I do with it? <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess I can kind of, yeah. And then culturally, I don't know what stories you picked up or like how your family operates, but the, like the cultural system that I was in, it was kind of like, well, this is biology. Like you just know. Oh, and in my yeah. mind, I'm like, I don't know. No, this is not biology. Nothing was like intuitive. I am not trained. I did not Mm-mm. go to school for this. I have no idea what I'm doing. No, nothing was. My biology tells me that I should go sleep and watch TV. That's I feel what my like... biology tells. Like, <laughs> I felt that the biology bi- stopped at the whole birth process. Like my uterus took care of that, and after that, I was like, if I didn't know what breasts were for, I'm not sure I would have figured it out on my own. Like I, did, you know, yeah, right. that's how unintuitive I was. Yeah, I, I completely yeah. understand that. So yeah, second birth, we just started making different decisions. You know, we were slowly transforming. We switched providers halfway through. We decided like six months in, we're like, hey, let's do this without an epidural. Ooh. Because we didn't have any insurance at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think and one I of our like, births was, was guided yeah. by money too. <laughs> and I was, I was looking through hospital bills and I was like, $2,000? I can do this. I do you know how many shoes I can yeah. buy for two thousand dollars? Steak dinners, but yes, okay. <laughs> so that was the deal, right? I was, like, I was like, if I can save us two thousand dollars and do this without, and how many shoes? Yeah, without I buy? like, I get a half of that to and just shoes. spend on whatever I want. I'm loving this. Okay, so that was the impetus for changing. Like that was the impetus for you know. I was ready for this big spiritual transformation. No, it was that, you know what purely the financial. Top of the mountain. Yeah. To, okay. Got no, it. I, there was no guru. All right. Got yeah, it. Yeah. There was okay. no spiritual shoes. quest here. It was shoes. <laughs> so and did you do it? I did. Yeah. I mean, did I buy the shoes? Well, or did I? <laughs> The the epidural free birth to do it. I did. Yeah. yeah. What did you think I about did. that compared to the first? Oh wait, um, who was in the room with you? So that so at that point, um, we we were just kind of still figuring out our new because you know how after you get married and have a baby, you feel like the dating never stops. So you have to date friends to see if the couples can match up, and then you have to date families to see if the family lifestyle matches up. Oh, see, I'm an introvert, so I'm still- Oh, yeah, so, <laughs> so we didn't have any, I didn't have any friends. Well, I do know, I was one of my first to have my friends to have a baby, and I know after I had a baby, it was complete isolation. Because most of my friends were actually still single, and they couldn't even relate to my, you know, sore nipples problems, and yeah. they. And there is kind of a, there's- a thing that happens in our culture where when moms talk about their kids, it's like, oh gosh, can you stop now? Yeah. So I hated that sense of like, how come I can't, like where, why, 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 (laughs) why can't I talk about my kids? Like, this is kind of on my mind a lot, by the way, you know, raising a whole human being and trying not to screw them up. Please. It's exhausting. It takes a lot of energy. So, um, I, so I can see how if you just had a bunch of single friends, they're like, Sarah, I don't even want to hear that. No. Like just not even in their realm of they did, what not is, that they didn't want to hear it, but they wouldn't there's nothing to connect to. There's nothing to stick to in their head to Yeah. Yeah. No shared experience. No shared experience. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So at that point we decided to have no one in the room. It was just me and my husband. Oh. And our birth our birth providers. Wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah. neat. Which looking back, not the best idea because I needed him with me. Oh, during mm-hmm. the contractions, and he was running around like 
putting Chuck's bags on the ground and filling up the bathtub or filling up the birth tub. And so he was like, so he was, uh, he was overwhelmed because the midwife wasn't mm-hmm. there yet. And then once she arrived with her assistant, everything was fine. You could have used a doula. Right. I could have used a doula in that, mm-hmm. in that case for yeah. sure. Yeah. Or Looking a mother-in-law. Back, a mother-in-law. Yeah. Someone with experience who could have mm-hmm. held space for me. So I went kind of extreme, right? Like first birth. Yeah. I don't even say, know I mean, how many people were in the room. The more extreme you could go as unassisted, which he would have been even busier. So. Right. <laughs> that is true. I have a friend that does that. So maybe you should bring her on. Oh my goodness. It just seems like a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But if it goes fast and everything's fine, then. Yeah. But you still yeah. have to clean. Anyway. Another, another yeah, time. Another, another story. So, and then it just went down to me and him and our birth providers. So. And that, and I wasn't expecting the labor to go so fast oh. with the second. So I just assumed that it would take longer. I, th- I thought I had more time. Oh. But um, looking back, I was probably like walking around in labor for a good two weeks, just really slow and steady. And then recognizing that that's how my body likes to do it. So, so. you're just building muscle, right? Yeah. <laughs> and just getting it all. So we had actually, funny story. Um Baby was born in August, and we have a tradition of going down as a family and floating the Provo River in, we call them pleasure crafts. They're basically like inflated, like toys, Inner like tubes. pool toys, oh, like yeah. with duct tape on the bottom. It lasts one run. <laughs> with duct tape. This was before, that. yeah, this was before those companies like- Yeah, existed. Yeah. yeah. So we- um my husband had to work and it was scheduled for the day that we'd go down the river. And everyone's like, are you coming? Are you not coming? Like, are you having this baby? I was 39 weeks. And I was like, I'll come. Of course you would. This baby's never coming. Okay. So it's a good thing you didn't have that baby in the river. <laughs> so baby was born. Yeah. Two and a half hours I, after I landed. Oh, after, you did go the down the river. <laughs> oh my gosh. I wasn't yep. seeing that coming. I, oh my yep. goodness. I, yeah. So I floated the river and then I got home and I was at my parents' house and I was like, um, pretty sure I'm in labor. Pretty weird. I'm going to go home and have a baby. Oh, okay. Thanks for the tuna sandwich. I'll see you guys in a couple hours. <laughs> so. Wow. So then your third, you're like, well, it'll be here in 15 minutes. So. Yeah. So third, we were all prepped and ready. Mm-hmm. So then that was, I think the third was the most deliberate birth circle team we could have had. So who was there? It was executed perfectly. That was like the birth of all births. So I had my same midwife and her assistant, my husband, who acted as my doula. And then I brought in two really good friends Mm. who were both, a a year previous, I had been to one of their births and we were just really tight. Um, And during those, during baby number two and baby number three, I had gone through a lot of emotional work. Mm. It was when life was just hitting us hard with so many things. And so I was a completely different person Um, or I was going through complete different things. It was just intense. Life was really, really intense. And truthfully, this baby was unexpected. Mm. So there was that added weight of, I didn't really plan on this. (laughs) Oh dear. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know. Do you think that affected how you approached your birth? For sure. Yeah. For sure. Because at the very core, your desires really create kind of the ripple effect of everything else that's going on. So if you're struggling with mm-hmm. what you want and what you don't that's want, it's not and like what you, you can feel just buck up, little camper. I want this baby. If you if it was a surprise, right? And you're not really ready for that surprise. I exactly. mean, some surprises are welcomed and they're fun, right? But if you're not expecting it, then that can really 
throw you back a little bit. Yeah, it, it definitely throws, yeah, it can throw a wrench. And it mm-hmm. did, for sure. But the really cool part about that experience is that I had to be incredibly thoughtful and deliberate. I had to really pay attention and listen. And through this growth of life, right, like motherhood changes you. Raising kids will change you. Just growing will change you. So at that point, I was just learning how to listen less to my culture and less to the expectations of the people around me. So tell me about your culture. You're a deep thinker. What was it about the culture that you felt like you had to kind of put aside or put in order or discard? What part did you embrace? Yeah. I, well, I got to this point where I was like, I don't know if this is working for me anymore. You know, like, yeah, that was fun and that was great. But like, what wasn't working for you? Uh, so many things. So I'll just say it, like, you know, all of life. All of it. Yeah. So all of you it. Had like a the way we paradigm so many, shift. Yeah. Like, I was just like, maybe you were accidentally born on the wrong continent type of shift. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was truly, it was a major shift. It was like, I don't know if this is what I want. I don't know. You know, but did you know what you wanted? You just didn't know. I mean, you didn't know what you wanted. You just didn't know that what you had previously was working for you. Right. That's all. Yeah. And then also, I think that just probably happened. So I was in my early thirties then. And I think that's probably just part of our developmental process as well. I don't know that everybody does it. Yeah. Maybe it's just the people I gather in my circles. Yeah. (laughs) So, or, or the people don't have permission to do it. They don't have permission, but mm-hmm. I, I, you know, my twenties were spent trying to prove that I was an adult. And so I, I was <laughs> like, look how, adult yet? Yeah, I was like, look how grown up I am. I'm responsible. Like you should trust me. Like, I'm making I, babies yeah, all by like, myself. I pay my bills on time. I can hold down a job. Like you don't need to worry about me. <laughs> you know, like wow. I have responsibility figured out. And then my thirties, I was like, responsibility sucks. Like who wants this for the next three decades? This is, and then hand you a baby, or right? Three, and then right, and then four. keep handing you babies, and you're like, "What? I did I sign up for this? I mean, I guess I signed <laughs> up for this, but did I sign up for this? Like, yeah." So it I was think just that's why biolo- you know? biology um, has us procreate before we figure out what's <laughs> good for us. It's <laughs> like, whoops! Well, they're already here. I guess the human race continues. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other podcast <laughs> of like you know entering parenthood in your 20s versus your late 30s and like yeah. how different your lifestyle I'm would be. I'm kind of glad I did it. Like, well, we thought it was really fun that we did them su- super close together because we're like, look, boom, 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 boom. We're going to be done. We're going to be retired by the time we're like 50 and we can go travel the world. And now we are going to have four teenagers and we're thinking, hmm, seems like we could have thought about this. Enjoyed better. ourselves maybe a little bit on the well, way Well, no, up. no, no. It's like we had, we had diapers nonstop for seven years, mm. eight years, you know, nonstop. And then we have this nice little break right now, but now we're entering teenagehood and we're going, oh, oh. Our house is too small for four teenagers. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what are we gonna do? So, um, so who was in your birth space again? So you decided to make this a very, um, yeah, careful very, decision. Car- very careful decision, and I knew. Um, so actually, I mean, if I can be totally honest, that whole pregnancy, I just called my baby the little parasite. Yeah. And I knew, and it was just the boundary that I needed. Yeah. Because I needed to be clear with myself and the universe and the people in my life, like that you were still. I you. don't want this. Oh my goodness! I'm doing this, but I don't want this. Uh-huh. But I knew the second that that baby came of out of my body and I looked into its eyes, I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, what was my life without you?" How yeah, exactly. Ever, you knew that. Beautiful. Your frontal cortex, your logical brain yeah. knew that. Of course. Yeah. That's just course. that's just what happens. And so I think you know we experience bonding in very different ways, depending on what we go through. So. 
Um, and I knew I would instantly bond. Like mm-hmm. the second that, that I looked into that baby's eyes. So you were just giving your space to like, yeah, I was, let the universe know how you felt about the whole situation. Right. Okay, exactly. Good. Yeah. Boundaries with the universe. Boundaries with the Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so I wanted people in that space while I was birthing that could hold space for me to be whatever I needed to be. And I think that is probably the most important thing about setting up your birth circle. You don't necessarily know what's going to happen. You can never plan. You're always, you know, you... Every birth is different. Every birth is different. And the best thing that we can do is listen and just create a lot of stillness in our lives to check in with our bodies and with this little human we're creating and with the people who love and trust us Mm -hmm. about what we need. And then really get honest and real about what your needs are. And that's probably really neglected in our culture. We focus on the baby and we don't focus on the mom. Right. And it's all about a healthy baby. It's all about a healthy baby, right? Mm -hmm. And we kind of, I mean, our maternal care in this country. Don't get me started. Yeah, that's a whole other episode. Yeah. So birthing is the time to be the most selfish in the name of self-care and self-protection that you can be. Well, I, I, it's, you know, when you got married, when you were engaged, everybody was super excited about to hear where your reception was going to be. And they wanted to see pictures of your dress and you got whatever cake you wanted. And now that you're giving birth, which is way, way bigger than a wedding, because you never unbirth someone. You can divorce somebody, but you can't unbirth somebody. Yeah, way more permanent than a Permanent. Yeah, way more permanent. (laughs) Like it affects lots of people. Right. You can't undo that. You can't undo that. (laughs) Then, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, your choices are too expensive or they're too... You're seen as selfish. If mm-hmm. you say, "Mother in law, I can't have you in the room," you're seen as selfish. Mm-hmm. No, we need to redefine what selfish means. Exactly, one hundred. You can tolerate a really rough person at the wedding, like you know, they you can you can try and set boundaries, but really, it doesn't. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You get married, and <laughs> yeah, and most weddings are a community event, and they're a community Birthing event. Birthing right? is not a community mm-hmm. event. No, no. I, let's say you can give and take at a wedding. You can say, "Well, my mom, this is this is a budget for flowers," or "My mother-in-law really wanted to have this caterer." Okay, you can let it be. But when it comes to your birth, you can't let your mother-in-law decide what you do with your vagina. No. (laughs) Like that has lasting impact on your ability to heal and bond with your baby. Exactly. And so, I mean, what you do in a birth affects generations. Mm -hmm. And we need to understand that and respect that. Mm-hmm. What happens? But don't at a don't birth. put it on like a big heavy backpack. Like don't screw up this. Well, birth. yeah, no. You're gonna screw up. Really, it's it's yeah. like you can't demand perfection. That's just not, gonna make everybody not crazy. Perfection. It's not perfection, but you can understand how it operates, mm-hmm. and you can understand. We can set different boundaries around birth, and we can set different cultural expectations, and we can do it in a way where moms walk away feeling really empowered. Yeah, because their decisions weren't taken away from them. Yeah. So were the people at your birth, like what did they each bring to the the table for the third one? Mostly it was just an incredible amount of support because... Like physical support? Emotional support, physical support, you know, because I mean, Mm -hmm. like the techniques that that they have of like where to push on your body and how to listen, you know, like when you need a sip of water and when you need a bite to eat Mm -hmm. and... So like who was there? A friend? You said a couple of friends Mm -hmm. and your husband. Two friends and my husband. Cool. and And then did you have your other children there? No, I wanted to. I really wanted to. And I thought about that a lot and I would have ruined it because really? at the time I had pretty terrible boundaries. 
surrounding my children and they I was a little bit too enmeshed with them. Got it. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have been able to concentrate on me. That makes a lot of sense. And I would have given too much to my kids. Like all of my energy and focus would have gone to my kids. Oh, interesting. And I wouldn't have been able to focus on me. And so I'm really glad they weren't there because I didn't I couldn't have handled the distraction. But I'm also really sad. Because it would have been really well if you'd had cool a wrangler there, there that understood your lack of boundaries, and you could say, "I want my kids there, but I know I'm going to be doing this. So can you can you bring the kids in so they can have an experience, but make sure that they're taken out of my space gently and respectfully?" You right. could, probably could have done that, but that takes a lot of like that takes deep. a lot of foresight, yeah. And and you need to have someone that you can trust. Mm-hmm. And I think that is for me that was a really difficult transition because I was. I'm a people pleaser. Yeah. And I want everybody to be happy and I don't want to make waves. Um, yes, you do. Secretly, you kind of do. Okay. So it depends on the type of waves. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I don't want to, I don't want to make people upset. Yeah. I don't mind giving pushback and I don't mind controversy, but it hurts me when people are yeah. hurt. So I don't want to be the instigator of people who are You're hurt. belligerent. You're yeah. not mean. Right. Just, yeah. Okay. Right. And so, um, Figuring out how to make the birth about me with each subsequent birth honestly was a challenge. It was a challenge because I, you know. So by the time you had your fourth, it was absolutely perfect. You figured it out, right? <laughs> Actually, third was. So, oh. Yeah. I mean, fourth is a different story because we had just moved. So third okay. was the best. Well, I was, yeah. was going to wait for you to yeah. tell us all if we had how stayed to in have the perfect birth. <laughs> this is why Liz is really here today is to tell us exactly how. I don't know if the perfect birth exists. No, it doesn't. Honestly. So well, I don't know if I, I could ever give anyone advice. No, it does exist, birth. but you can't define it for somebody else. So I'm just kind of mocking you. But I think you can have a perfect experience. Yeah. And I think that you can. And you and only you get to decide what that perfection is. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. For me, it was having blueberries. I was like, I want blueberries. Right after I give birth, mom, I want you there with a bowl of blueberries. And she's like, really? That's it? That's all you want? No Big Mac? No. no. I was like, blueberries. Blueberries. And as I ate those blueberries, I felt like a princess or a queen or a goddess, however. I, yeah. <laughs> you know? And yeah. I love it. That's so that's fun. perfection. Yeah, for that's me. perfection. Because mm-hmm. you knew. So I think I was raised, I was raised in a place where... um. I just, I wasn't taught how to have needs mm-hmm. and how to express needs. Well, what's the difference between being a narcissist and um, being, having good self-care, right? Especially yeah. in a birth. And then what's the difference between being a, a people pleaser and a doormat? You know, these are just all boundaries Ooh. that we are constantly experimenting with, you know, mm-hmm. like where's that line? Where's that line? And then we kind of lean into it and we get some feedback and we experiment and figure out how that works. And it, and it's also and it's changing, right? So just because that's where the line used to be doesn't mean that that's where it is right now or where it will be in the future. So, so not we've talked about how you can have a perfect birth. You can't define it for somebody, but really, like, go into your advice. What would you tell your daughters? What would you tell your best friends who are now having their first babies? Like, what what little bits for the birth process? Mm-hmm. I would I would advise them to figure out what it is they're wanting from the experience. So okay, not can I push back a little bit on that? Not necessarily. What if they have an expectation that can't be met? Like I, I feel like I want to show my mom who's who, you know, that how a birth can be done, or I feel like this will make my marriage stronger, or like what if you have? Can you put those kinds of expectations on a birth? What happens? Mm. Can you do it? Yeah, I mean that's a really good question. That brings up some that brings up some good stuff. So. 
I think that's why listening is important because listening to yourself, listening to yourself, listening to the baby, listening to the universe, kind of just paying attention to what's going on. Um, because you don't want to be so full of expectation that you're willing to let go of the flexibility. So, you know, um, like there's so much, there's sometimes safety in control. So you mm-hmm. can say, I'm going to, I'm going to have my hospital bag packed. I'm going to wear this birth gown. I'm going to go in for my, um, when this OB is on that I know, and I'm going to do this. And then afterwards I want my sister to come and you can have all that. And then what happens if you end up having the birth in the car? Right. Exactly. So, but you'd bring up like the most interesting part about birth is the relationship between safety and control. Okay. Talk about that. Because yes. And this is why birth can be so intense. And this is why birth can be probably the most, it's just so vulnerable. Okay. What is, so it can what be, does safety look like? Yeah. Oh, no, no. Go back. What does control look what like? What does control look okay, like? Give me, what does control look like? And then let's talk about what safety looks like. So depending, like just like you said, control is going to be different for every person. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to micromanage every little thing that happens. And are you controlling because you're afraid? Exactly. Or because this is something that, that actually gives you a lot of peace. Right. So going into the birth experience with a sense of surrender instead of a sense of fear is probably my number one advice. Surrender. But knowing knowing what needs to be surrendered and then knowing what is a hard line. Ooh, boundaries. Boundaries. Bad words. So if there's somebody in your life who really is feeling invasive, a mother, a mother-in-law, a sister, or somebody who just feels entitled How to your husband? birth. How about a husband? Just kidding. If a husband feels entitled to your birth, you had sex with the wrong person. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, so if there's, if there's someone being invasive about your birth experience... You need a hard line, like that person, that energy, that control is not allowed in this space, not Mm -hmm. allowed in my body, not allowed in this experience. And you need to set up whatever hard boundaries with love, firm love that, that you can and asking for support. And sometimes when you go into the birth process, I mean, it's vulnerable, right? Like you're opening yourself up in all kinds of ways that you didn't know could be opened up. Right. And so it's really hard to be vulnerable and def- and defend yourself at the same time. So you need to have people on your team you can trust to be like, this is my boundary. I'm not going to be able to hold it. Yeah. You need to hold this for me. Yeah. I, in my second birth, I hired a doula and my purpose, we talked about it before the birth because I was coming off a traumatic experience and I didn't want the second one to be traumatic. And so I hired her for the purpose of of holding my space. And she said, you have to understand that I can't do everything for you. You have to um, be a voice for yourself because as a doula, I have no, the doctors don't listen to me. And so um, that just having her in the room sitting there gave me a voice. Mm. She didn't even have to voice for me, but just knowing that she was there, that she um, was holding space, she emotionally had my back, gave me the courage to to speak up. To speak up. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. I think that the, that voice um, had a, a huge impact on how the birth turned out. Yeah. And I think trauma probably happens more often when we stay silent, when we should have said something. Oh, that's, that's food for thought. Because again, trauma is always in the eye of the beholder. It's you always in the eye of the beholder. You cannot judge uh, trauma. Yeah, you have Mm-mm. no idea. You have no idea if someone mm-hmm. 
is having a traumatic experience. You are not allowed to judge another person's trauma, especially a birthing mother. The other thing I learned too is that that when you're giving birth, you are in like a a different um, plane in your mind. And I've had moms that have said, oh, I screamed that baby out and I... Mm-hmm. And I said, well, actually, I have the video. You are actually completely quiet. And really? they'll see this video and go, that's not... And I actually had the same experience. I thought I was you moaning. You felt like you were screaming and moaning and you weren't. And I looked up the video and all I goes, oh, hi, baby. That's it. I'm like, really? Oh that's gosh. not reflective of what's going on in my head. <laughs> that is not fair. You all didn't enjoy the, you know, the screaming that I was... Theatrics in my head. But I have so many women that when they see their... Um, especially their video it's kind of reframes because they're in a different place. And so mm-hmm. I feel like, okay, if you can't even know if you're screaming or not, then how am I to judge if you had trauma or not? Exactly. That's absolutely not fair. Yeah, Mm-mm. exactly. You never, ever, ever, Mm-mm. ever, ever get to. No. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like gaslighting 101. You never tell somebody <laughs> what they're experiencing. Gaslighting 101. <laughs> yes, definitely. You can't, can't yeah, tell You somebody. can't, Mm-mm. you know, especially kids, right? Like you never, as a parent, you never get to say, this is how you're experiencing reality because this is how I'm experiencing reality. It's completely no. unfair and just really does a lot of damage. It does, so for sure. We have to stay away from that. Wow. So that brings up a great point. If we've told our kids all, through their whole childhood how they experience, I, I mean, I'm even careful when I, my kids say <laughs> something about school and I'm like, you got in a fight with who and what was thrown and where was somebody bloody? Wow. Okay. And then I call the principal. Like, okay, so I heard this story. Now we need to hear the adult side of the story. And a lot of times the school is, you know, fills in the the missing blanks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do make, try to make a, a very clear point to never question my kids um, authenticity. Like, you know, they're, they're telling of the story, but if they left out details, I said, well, what do you think started the fight? But not questioning how they felt about it. Exactly. And I and I can see how that that practice because I'm super enlightened, you know. <laughs> um, no, just kidding. Not. That's why but, you're doing a podcast. <laughs> no, but how um, that can translate then into our adult lives is like as we're giving birth. If if we've been told our entire life that we can't even tell us a playground story correctly, then how can we tell our birth story? That that brings up a great point. Yeah. So this is a cultural thing. That, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's lots in there, huh? I know. I'm like, what do I, where do I go <sighs> next? <laughs> so then safety is surrounding yourself with people that have got your back that, that, um, um, well, I, I want to tell a story. I was at a birth where, um, the mom had, had very good conversations with her about OB about what she wanted and how she wanted it to go. And then at, at a certain point, she said, you know what? I need an epidural. And the midwife, the 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 OB said, um, you said you didn't want an epidural, but I hear you saying you do want an epidural. So these are this is what's going to happen if we do that epidural. Would you like to still make that choice? And she said, yes. And she said, brilliant. The epidural was right there. When it came to time to push, the mom had a really, really hard time. And she's like, you know what? I just want a C-section. I just want a C-section. I, I'm done. And the OB got in her face, not in a mean way. She mm-hmm. goes, listen, I know what you've gone, gone through and I know how you feel. I've just checked you. I can't even cut you open fast enough to get this baby out. You are almost there. And I am going to say no, but she didn't say no, but she yeah. basically said, I know what this mom needs because the mom has told me what she needs. 
And I know that we're right on the, the border between, you know, making the, the choice to give a C-section or not. And I think that this mom can pull through. And she did. And man, that mom felt so empowered because mm-hmm. the midwife had stood, had stood the mom's ground. The yeah. midwife had, had been there the entire time respecting her. And I was looking at this midwife, <sighs> or, sorry, not even a midwife. It was an OB. I was looking at this OB going, can, can all births be can like all, this, please? Can you please train the entire universe? You know, there was one point where the, the mom was feeling really, um, frantic and you know she had three doulas and moms and friends and me as the videographer and um yet she was still feeling a little bit um I don't know frazzled frazzled yeah um and the midwife said you know what I'm gonna go put on my um birth clothes and I'm gonna come in and just be here and the mom's like (sighs) just visibly relaxed (laughs) yeah I mean that's a busy OB she's got her rounds but she's I think she sat in the corner for like two hours it's like yeah that's incredible yeah that's really beautiful. <clears throat> Isn't that yeah, cool she could get really from her cool. provider? Yeah. Oh, I wish everybody could get that from their provider. So what are the, some ways that you can, um, you can communicate to your partner um, how they can support you? How to communicate your needs to your partner. That is a great question. Um, so like we talked about before, first admitting you have needs and maybe doing a little bit of work if you were raised in an environment where that was hard for you to tap into. Because your first instinct is to take care of the people around you first. Mm. So maybe making some switches where you're like, hey, this actually is about me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want to be a diva, but oh yeah, yeah. my birth is about me. <laughs> so here are my needs. Well, also not, it is about you, but how cool, maybe another, uh, um, we can talk about another hour about how to bring your partner in so that the birth is about you guys like yes. together. Yes. Your relationship. Yeah. I mean, that's what I felt. I was like, hey, we made this baby together. We're going to birth this baby together. Yeah. I feel so... Okay. Sorry. Let me let me focus it. I feel like so, so many times a partner feels um, kind of disjointed from the process because mm-hmm. a lot of focus is given on the mom and then, of course, the baby. So what are some things you could talk about with your partner um, that they could support you so you in turn feel like it's a connection with them? Yeah. So... My third birth, especially, I knew what I needed from my partner, especially during that one, because I was just, right, I was feeling so vulnerable and so raw and so a little bit put out. And also that I had, I had the potential for a really fantastic experience. And what I needed from him was for him to tap into a strength that he didn't need in those other births mm. because I didn't need it. Oh, cool. So we had a lot of conversations about, um, and I, I can't remember the exact terms I put it in, but I think it was like, if I'm going to push out so that I know where my safety walls are, the harder that I push and the more stable those walls are, the easier it's going to be for me to let go. Because at that point I had learned Mm. that all the hormones and the chemical cocktail happening in your body, that if you create tension with fear and with high strung emotions, it's going to manifest in your body and you are going to experience pain and tension that doesn't need to be there. But if you can figure out how to surrender to your body and let your body do its work and get out of the way of your body. 
Oh, but those boundaries you just said, ooh, that's just, oh. Okay. Then there can be an ease and yeah. a flow. Mm-hmm. And I was really and interested. And it's not a control thing. It's not a control it's thing. A, it's a safety. Yeah. It's a safety and a surrender. And I wanted that. I felt like that was kind of the rite of passage that was missing. You know, I wanted this transformation because it, it required trust. It required that is a trust. Yes, a deep level of trust and like a very intense emotional intimacy. And to me, that's sexy. Uh huh. Like emotional intimacy is really sexy. And to did me. he feel? He probably felt very fulfilled too, didn't he? He felt so fulfilled. It completely changed the way he beca- he fathered our kids. Ooh. Oh, tell us more then. <laughs> Because like you said before, we concentrate so much on mother, baby, mother, baby. Mm-hmm. And we make all these cultural jokes about like the dumb dad or the uninvolved dad or like, you know, so damaging. moms are aware of like every little tiny thing going on in their kids' lives. And dads are aware of like small, short people living and maybe in a house, <laughs> you know, that just smell. And maybe right. that, well, maybe not. They don't notice that. Um, and and th- that may all stem back to the birth and their right. bonding, their bonding process with their baby. So yeah, in the 70s, when my brothers were born, my parents were living in Georgia because my dad was going to grad school and he was not allowed into the room. Fantastic. Right? Super, super good idea. Like how can a dad bond with his babies when he's not allowed to be there? So I wanted something completely different. Like I knew for me that we were, we were growing as a couple, we were growing our family. I was in a really hard point and I was like, I need you here. I need you here emotionally mm-hmm. and almost psychically in ways that I have never requested you to be present. Oh, that's so good. And in him showing up, you were able to push the boundaries of your own work. Yeah. And so when he, because he, he, like his body wasn't the one going through this, right? My body was. And I needed to get out of the way of my body. And I knew that I could get out of the way of my body if I knew I felt really, really, really safe. That is so cool. So, so what were the boundaries? Like, what did you we just, do? so we talked about that and, um, we actually, we had a great experience. So it was October in the Utah mountains and we just felt that this thing was happening, right? Like you just kind of notice changes in your body and you're checking in, especially baby three. You're like, I've done this before. Like, here's what my body does. And, and so I noticed like labor was coming and we had my mom come grab the kids. It was the morning time. And I was like, let's go for a drive. The Alpine Loop is gorgeous. It's mm-hmm. just one of my favorite drives. So if you go for a drive over the mountains, like slow contractions are happening. And we just wanted some stillness. You know, we wanted like this was, we had done the work in previous births and we had, we knew that we could potentially set up a space where this was going to be hallowed ground, Ooh. where this was going to be a sacred experience. And so we'd already, you know, we'd gone through a lot and just pushing away our defense mechanisms, our programming, our egos. And we just wanted to make this about something bigger than us. Mm -hmm. So we're driving in the mountains. We would pull the car over and sit and pray or meditate or hug and just kind of try to connect with each other. He would massage me, push on my hips. And it was... That sounds dreamy. It was dreamy. Can we do that when we're not pregnant? (laughs) (laughs) We should, right? Like We should be facilitating this energy of connection. Because I think it, anyway, that's another conversation. I think it's so powerful. I think it's very healing. So we'd get back in the car, we'd drive a little bit, we'd get back out again. Um, and I was just going through stuff that was coming up, you know, like as I'm meditating and sitting and I'm like, I'm scared. <laughs> like I'm really scared and mm-hmm. I don't want to be scared and I don't know what to do with this fear. 
And I want this fear to not be in me. And I don't know how to get it out of me. I want to trust this process fully, but the prefrontal cortex kinds of turns off and you just have primal brain turn on. And that feels, it feels unsettling because it feels like you can't control it. Like the prefrontal cortex, you can, you can create your little packaging so to you be like, your, my life is fine. You're like, your prefrontal my cortex, they're having a fight and you're, a little you're bit, in the middle of yeah. it. You're like, calm down, children. <laughs> Basically, yes, 100%. What part of the brain is the calm down part? Right, <laughs> like, please. So, so we, we, you know, we'd stop, we'd listen to the water and... I remember I remember just thinking I'm I'm scared of death. Oh, it came down to that. And like there you know, it feels like a loss. It feels like this like this is a potential for loss. Oh, wow. And what like what am I willing to lose in this process? And so I had to go really deep. So we're in the mountains meditating. And then there's this stillness washes over me. And I just hear this voice that says, there is no death. There's just transition. Oh, gosh. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. Let's go. So we get back in the car within moments. Car birth, please. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Within moments on the side of the road, there is a giant moose. Oh, hi. (laughs) And I mean, I could almost like reach out and touch, right? And then all of a sudden, I just felt connected. I have never felt so connected in my life. Mm. I felt connected to every animal, every plant, like all the elements, my ancestors, every woman who has ever birthed, every woman who ever will birth, I just felt like we were this tribe and I was going to be partaking of that and that those things and those people and those elements were going to witness me Oh wow! and help me. And I remember thinking, this giant moose doesn't fear birth. Nope. This giant moose knows how to go into nature knows how to find safety for herself, knows which plants to eat, knows how to take care of her newborn. I can do this. Like we come from the same creator. We come from the same design. So it just like this raw, like goddess surging power came through my body. And I was like, let's do this. Let's do this. And your husband's like, all right. (laughs) So that was like, that was the... That was like the alchemy, the spiritual alchemy that I Mm -hmm. needed of just really coming head to head with my deepest fears and my deepest insecurities and then feeling like I could conquer them. And then we went home and every, and I just felt guided every contraction, like ever, there was just a voice that I had tapped into that was not my voice. And it led me through the birth Mm -hmm. and it was like, push here, breathe here. Oh, stand up, sit down, go on your knees, go outside, turn, get a shoulder rub, take a (laughs) sip of water, like the entire time. And then I hit transition and I was like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Oh, that's, that's new because most people are like, "Ah, never mind. I'll be pregnant. I'll trade it. Never mind. I'm fine being pregnant for the rest of my life. And then I hit transition and I was like, I can't do anymore. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I was like, are you some sort of guy? I'm done. (laughs) Like, 
that's it. Like that is my max capacity deep. for opening. I'm done like, doing, if, doing deep. Yes. You have to open me up one more. I will like rip to pieces. Like that is as big and as wide as I can open up. And instantly it was like, you're done. You're good. You made it. You hit it. Like you, I, you don't have to open up anymore. We're good. Like you can go now. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh. I could not do that. I could not do one more contraction of no, that. not one more. So she came out and like three pushes in the water. I grabbed her. I'm beaming and smiling the entire time. Please tell me you have a video. We have a little tiny video. <laughs> but that I didn't, I couldn't handle the act. So I just, I, no, it's, yeah, I get it. I, I know. It. I was like, Ugh. But I love Going capturing back, I wish, that on film, and yeah, because because it's it's almost it transcends language. You can you can communicate the the face of a mom right after she gives birth. Yeah, it just communicates. Yeah. So that was that, and that was that's setting up your circle so that you can surrender. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing your stories. You are so welcome. Thanks for having <laughs> I me. I have so many more questions. I actually would love to bring in your husband and hear his perspective of this whole journey. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be really cool. Yeah. I would love to talk about the thing. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah. Let's because do it. he has a a trust in himself to be a dad. Yeah. That he didn't have. Before. Well, I mean, this is a transformative experience for the mom, but also for the partner. So I want to hear more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. please visit us at birthcircle.com join our facebook groups or find us on instagram and pinterest we hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience and thank you to launchpod media who produces these podcasts